Gilles Mulcahy. And here's Spencer, shot fake, the three to grab the lead back, and he buries it. What a big time shot by Cam Spencer. Coach grew up a great, grew up a great play, and um, with how they played it, we kind of had to go to something else, but Paul was able to get into the lane and, and find me, and um, luckily the shot went in, but credit to Paul for being able to find me there. You are not kidding. I mean, the onions to take that shot. Onions, double order, as the great Bill Raftery would say. Cam Spencer with the biggest shot of his career, taking down number one Purdue in West Lafayette. Second year in a row, Rutgers has beaten the number one team in the country. Each time it was Purdue. Last December, it was Ron Harper's half-court heave at the buzzer. And now, Cam Spencer, the three-point dispenser, adds his name to Rutgers lore. I can't take credit for it. My good friend Pat Duffy coined that one in a text. So thank you, Pat. And on that note, welcome to another episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, episode 49. So much to talk about and break down from Rutgers' 65-64 win over the Boilermakers. And here's a man who knows what it's like to beat a number one team because when he was a college basketball head coach at Virginia Tech and Long Beach State, he accomplished it four times. ESPN college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg. Seth, happy new year, coach. Same here, Brian. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. I mean, <laughs> just, it's amazing uh, this time of the year, the scores that we've seen in college basketball. Did this Rutgers win at Purdue catch you by surprise? It didn't catch me by surprise. I mean, look, once you get in the league play, it's a level playing field. And a level playing field basically means you have to do all the little things. Uh, and, you know, Rutgers has a good feel for Purdue and has had success against them. So, therefore, obviously, that success breeds confidence. Uh, and, you know, finally, this Rutgers team is healthy. You know, I, I've said this uh, for the last probably three weeks. We don't have a great, great bat team in college basketball. We have a lot of really good teams in college basketball. And because we have a lot of good teams, the reason being is, well, a couple of things. One, the COVID year. So you get a fifth year back, you have some older teams, more mature teams, transfer portal. You're able to fill in the, the voids in your roster by bringing players in, Cam Spencer, a perfect example. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you have teams that have been a little bit together a little bit longer. So they have, you know, have a chemistry. So you get into league play, you, you kind of know what to give, what to take away. You have an understanding of how your team matches up, what's worked in the past within your system that potentially could maybe help you, you know, win a game like this. So, you know, I've been a big fan of, of Steve Peichel and, and Rutgers. Uh, I had a chance to watch him practice uh, the last few years. Uh, I spent time I busy with Steve. And, uh, you know, the first and foremost, to do that in that environment, you've got to be mentally, physically, emotionally tough. And Steve Peichel's teams are mentally, physically, and emotionally tough. They're grown men mentally and physically. Uh, they have a maturity. They embrace roles. Uh, they're fiercely competitive. They're going to get knocked back. They're going to get back up and get to the next play. So, sure, I mean, anytime number one goes down, it's a little bit of a surprise, but especially at home. But uh, I think that Steve's team, this Rutgers team, is built for those type of moments. So what did you learn from their practices that you saw that really impressed you? Great chemistry, great trust, great sense of purpose, uh, great uh respect for what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, um, uh, an attention to detail. 
uh, an emphasis on time and score, which obviously paid huge dividends. Uh, and then and and uh, a standard uh, without screaming and yelling, ranting and raving, uh, you know, more of this is who we are. This is how we win. This is what we're going to be all about. Uh, and a maturity. Uh, they've got a really mature group. Uh, they've got a team of grown men is basically what they have. And uh, they have great size and great length at the wing position. Uh, they have skill. When you have a six, seven point guard that can look over the defense, when you have a shot maker like Spencer, like when you have, you know, Hyatt and, and Mag, who are just big physical specimens, when you, uh, you've got a great team trust. Uh, so I saw something special. I, I, I said after leaving that practice, I think I tweeted out, I said, it's the second weekend team. And I still believe that even when they lost Temple, when they were banged up, right? that's how I felt. That's what I felt their potential was going to be. Now, look, there's no guarantee for that. But I mean, if you look at their team, they are had the makeup and the DNA of teams that get to the second weekend. And you just said DNA. Matt Painter said in his post-game press conference, and I want to play a bite for you in a second, Coach. He talked about Rutgers having a corporate DNA, just like you said, those veteran guys that buy into him and trust his system. Listen to what Matt Painter said uh, following the game about the way Rutgers played. Like what Rutgers did tonight didn't shock the coaching staff. And we sold it and sold it and sold it like, hey man, like these guys are coming. Like if we were going to war, we'd stop by, we'd stop by New Jersey and pick them up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, like them cats, they play for keeps. How about that? If we were going to war, we want those guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I took the court. I actually, uh, I, I retweeted that 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 little soundbite from the press conference yesterday, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, that's exactly it. And you better have that mentality if you're going to survive in the Big Ten, because that's just what the league is all about. But you know, Matt Painter is a great coach, and he's great for basketball, and uh, he does it his own way, very much like Steve does. Uh, you know, he uses his eyes to evaluate; he doesn't use other people's eyes. He uh, he understands who can play for him, and you know, he doesn't get caught up in three stars, five stars, six stars. You know. All Americans, this he figures out guys that can play for him, and then he develops players, and they get old. And you know that backcourt, Braden Smith and uh, Fletcher Lawyer. You know they, you know Braden struggled a little bit down the stretch with some ball security, but you know, that guy's going to be a four-year guy, and he's going to win a ton of games. You know for Purdue, so uh, I think the two programs mirror each other in a lot of ways. So, what did you think of the play down the stretch? Right, Rutgers builds a big lead. Purdue comes back from double digits down in the second half. Lawyer hits some threes, right? They start to get hot. And then Rutgers put the ball in the hands of Paul Mulcahy. Let's face it, isn't the greatest scorer, but man, he took over that game, coach. Yeah, he took over the game, but I mean, it's how he got in the ball. He got in the ball off of DHOs uh, and then spread ball screens. He got a game off of you know, using his size to back people down. He got a, you know, got him, took over the game on, against drop coverage, which, you know, he could get to a soft spot. And then the other thing is because he backs people down, everyone has to turn their heads. And when you turn your heads, then you boom, even that, even though it wasn't a great uh, screen that Caleb set on the backside, I mean, that's how Spencer got that last shot. So, uh, you know, I mean, you look at the makeup, like Caleb McConnell is just, you know, that, he's a winning player. You know, Paul McKay is a winning player. Uh, there's a maturity about their team, but yeah, I love McKay because you know what? He can get the ball anywhere he wants, anytime he wants. And like you say, he's not a great scorer, but he can get to a spot where if he has to, he can score. 
And he, and, and he looks over everyone. Yes, six foot seven and all of that uh, was still growing over the summer. 16 points, tied a season high, eight rebounds, another season high, six assists, four steals. That's a career high and zero turnovers. Matt Painter yeah. talked about turnovers after the game. Uh, I think Purdue had 13 of them. And he said they got sloppy with the ball. Is that more of what Rutgers can do or just Purdue played poorly? No, I think Rutgers had a lot to do with it. I think Rutgers' size and length. I mean, you know, I mean, you're talking about, first of all, you're talking about two veteran guards uh, against two freshman guards. That's first and foremost. You're talking about guys, you know, that Braden Smith, who's 6'1", you know, having to get matched up with a six foot seven inch guy that's, you know, played, you know, probably 120 games, sure. 110 games. Uh, you know, so you, you're talking about, you are your number one team in the country. The temperature's raised. You, you you become a bigger game on everyone's schedule. And you're going to make turnovers. I mean, you know, like, like, look, the X's and O's are James and Joe's. I mean, it's it, just the way it is. Uh, you know, did they play a bad game? No. I mean, I mean, I think about, you know, the way they got back in the game, you know, whether it's lawyer making shots or playing through Zach Eady, Zach Eady getting doubled, finding that weak side for open shots. I mean, you know, Purdue is a – did they play a perfect game? No, but no one plays a perfect game. Uh, but a lot of that had to do with the Rutgers, size, length, athleticism, maturity, and toughness. Edie still had a good game, right? 19 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, <laughs> take me through that last sequence, right? Purdue goes down by one. Camp Spencer hits the shot. Painter calls timeout. And you know they're going through Zach Edie. How did Rutgers – Listen, he's seven foot four. He's a giant. But how did Rutgers get the ball out of his hands and and force it to, to the shooters where they didn't really get a good look down the stretch? What did you see? Yeah, well, it's what Rutgers did all game is they scraped down, they doubled down, they came off people. Uh, uh, you know, and you got to come. You can't have any hesitation. You, you know, and Zach Eady was unselfish. He made the right play. I mean, there's okay. no doubt he made like you know, Purdue does a great job against Zach. He posted up right in front of the rim. I mean, they do a really good job. I'm ball reversal. He ducks in, but he doesn't duck in on the, on the lane line. Sometimes he ducks in on the left lane line, but most times he'll cut across the face of the defender and catch it right from the rim and, and shoot that little jump hook. They got him pushed out one step further. You push him out one step further. What does that do? People don't understand why you have to push him off the lane. One, you want to get him away from the basket, but the second part of it is now if you're going to scrape down and dig down. You push him one step further. That's one step closer that that guy – can go and dig down and get the ball out of the post. You know, if he catches it tighter, it's too long to get down there to get the ball out of the post. So they weren't going to let Zach Eady beat him, which is exactly what you need to do. Like, like it blows my mind as we get in the league play. How can you let the other team's best player beat? And Rutgers basically said, you know, we, you know, we might go down, but we're not going to go down with Zach Eady catching the tight and then shooting a uh, turnaround without people coming down, scraping down, doubling down. And get the ball out of his hands. Right. Listen, listen I, I think Matt Painter doesn't want to see a New Jersey team on his schedule for a long time because uh, even St. Peter's got the best of them. And now Rutgers winning five of the last six. Uh, this team has gone from a program under Steve Peichel that nobody knew if he could turn it around. And all he does is win big games. 15 times they've beaten the top 25 team. Here's another stat, coach. Right. We thought. For years, Rutgers, well, we knew they couldn't win on the road. Now, they're not only winning at home, they're winning away from home. At Wisconsin, at Maryland, 
at Nebraska, at Indiana, at Purdue. This is a legit top 25 college basketball program that, you know, teams have to uh, fear home in a way, I think. Yeah, they've invested in the program. They invested in hiring Steve Peichel, a, a guy that's a proven program winner who can evaluate. The most important part of recruiting is evaluation. They built the practice facility, which is terrific, with all the amenities that you need. Uh, the campus has grown in terms of having a central part of campus, which is basically centered around, you know, the Jersey Mike uh, uh, Arena and and the Performance Center and and all that little village that they have right in front. Uh, and look, it's the State University of New Jersey, right? And Steve Pike has taken those resources and instead of and done it his way, <clears throat> excuse me, and done it his way by not taking shortcuts, by evaluating, by developing players. And <clears throat> I, I coached against those teams that couldn't win on the road. I mean, the first year I was at Virginia Tech, we, we clinched our chance to play in the Big East tournament by beating Rutgers at home after they beat us on the road by about 40 points. So, I mean, you know, I used to joke around and they, used to, they should really just travel around with that big R when they go on the road and shoot around, <laughs> slap it on the center court and give the guys a chance to have some confidence. But, you know, you win games on the road when you have high character. You win the games on the road when you have toughness. You win the games on the road when you don't beat yourself. You win the games on the road uh, when you have great team trust. And that's what Steve's been able to develop. And listen, coach, I'm going to give you a compliment here because you deserve it. You almost won 400 college basketball games in your coaching career and four times, right? Steve Peichel's done it twice, beating a number one team at home on the road. You did it four times, once with Long Beach State going into Allen Fieldhouse, which is miraculous unto itself, and then three times at Virginia Tech. What mindset did you have and your teams have in being able to go in and beat, you know, a number one Duke or a number one North Carolina or Kansas? First and foremost, you got to have a mindset that you're not an opponent. You're there to win like anyone else. Like we went at the ACC, everyone said, oh, you're going to get whacked. You know, I told our guys, you know, hey, you know, we're in this league to win just like everyone else. So when you get to the playing number one team, you got to have a mindset of an art of an upset. The art of an upset is you got to own the tempo and rhythm of the game. It's really, really important. Uh, whether it's speed it up or slow it down, but the game's got to be played at your pace. You've got to dictate the pace of the game. So that's very, very important. The second thing is you got to take away all easy baskets. What I mean by that is you got to take away, you know, got you got to, you can't turn it over. You can't give up second shots. You can't get let, you can't take bad shots because you take bad shots and you have bad floor balance and you're not going to do a good job of defensive transition. So you got to take away all the easy baskets. You got to set your defense. And that's really, really important. So no turnovers, no bad shots. Cut people out off the glass, take them out of transition. Uh, then you got to take away the other team's best players. You know, whether it was when we beat, even what it, it wasn't for a number one team, when we beat Duke with JJ Redick, all right? He had his, he didn't score double figures. Uh, we took him out of the game. I mean, it's the way it was. Uh, you know, so you got to take out the other team's best players. Someone's going to beat you. You cannot let the other team's best player beat you. If someone else beats you, you know, you tip your hat and say, you know what? We did what we had to do. And then you, you got to have some guys step up, you know, make it a four minute game. And in the, in the last four minutes, have someone step up. And, and that's what happened the other night with uh, Rutgers and, and Seton Hall. McCauley, McCauley stepped up, Spencer stepped up. Uh, and, and that's how you pull off a, a, a memorable moment. But, you know, this is, you know, again, Purdue is terrific. Matt Painter is one of my favorite coaches in college basketball. But, 
it didn't shock me and not because it was Rutgers at Purdue. It didn't shock me because, you know, what do you need to win big games? You need experience. You need toughness. You need maturity. You need role definition. You need guys that are staying in the moment. And that's what Rutgers basketball pretty much is all about. And like you said, there's going to be a moment in that game where you have to get a stop or hit a shot. Rutgers did both. Spencer hit the shot. They got the stop at the other end. Um, that's really what it came down to at the end. So now, Coach, Rutgers is one poorly officiated call at Ohio State from being 3-0 and and in first place with Wisconsin. How do you see them in the Big Ten the rest of the way? Is this a team that could challenge for a top four or, dare I say, you know, a number one seed in the Big yeah, Ten? Yeah, I, yeah, I think they can. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, they're winning road games, number one, and they had a chance to win another road game. And, you know, again, that game's got to be in the rearview mirror no differently than the Purdue day. It's got to be in the rearview mirror. Get to the next play. Because if you get so, too caught up in whether it was the great win at Purdue or the bad loss at, you know, Ohio State, the disappointing loss, I, would, I should say, then all of a sudden what happens is, you know, you can't get to the next play. And I think that's the great thing about Steve. I mean, you know, Hey, look, early in the season, they got beat up. I mean, you know, tough loss to Temple. Uh, you know, they weren't healthy. Uh, lose to Seton Hall. They were just getting back to being healthy. Steve Peichel has the ability to get his team to the next play. You know, we always talk about our players, you know, to get to the next play. Well, for a team to get to the next play, the coach has to get, got to get to the next play. And that's if you see Steve Peichel during the course of the game, uh, he's passionate, uh, but he's – He's in the moment, and I think uh, he keeps his team in the moment, and I think that's a big part of their success. Who's the best team in the Big Ten right now? Oh, I, I don't know. There's so many good teams in the Big Ten. Like, you know, I said you know, before the game, I did tiers. I'd say that, you know, Purdue was tier one. I mean, shoot, you could have eight teams in tier two. So now all of a sudden, now you have nine teams in tier two, or which is now <laughs> tier one. I mean, who knows? Michigan State's playing better. I'm not, are they the best team? No, probably not. Uh, you know, Purdue is not going anywhere just because they lost the game. Obviously, Rutgers is very good. Wisconsin, you know, and I said before the season, I said they'll, they'll be they'll be in the upper third of the league. That's just the way it is. You know, you can take guys away. Connor Asijin emerges. Chucky Hepburn gets better. You know, Tyler Wall is good. You know, Coble gives him a big guy. It's, you know, it's system driven. The league is good. The bottom of the league is not as good, but the league top you know, the top, the league is just, you have to play well to win. And that's just really what it is. You know, Iowa's struggling right now. Northwestern actually is is playing all right. Nebraska on the road is, you know, tragic right now. But, they, you know, that place is a tough place to play. Illinois isn't playing its best basketball yet. But, they, you know, they're a young team. Uh, and they're going through what young teams go through. The league is just, you know, is really, uh, it's the best scouted league in college basketball. Might be one of the best coached leagues in college basketball, and uh, you can't get too high or too low. You know, you just got to you got to you got to learn it from your last game, wipe the, the the slate clean, and then prepare for your next game. And that's what league plays all about, anyway. Getting to the next game with a clear mind and a clear head. Yeah, and and Rutgers has has done just that. Steve Peichel has established himself as one of the best coaches in the big 10 and, and Rutgers has established itself as one of the best, as one of the best teams in the big 10, Seth Greenberg, we will watch for you uh, weeknights and weekends on, on ESPN, do a fabulous job with Kevin Connors and, and LaFonzo Ellis and uh, keep up the good work coach. We appreciate you coming on.
My pleasure. Enjoy it. Now, uh, enjoy watching New Jersey basketball. Charlie Dickinson, we're coming. We're coming. Hey, before I let you go, listen, they have a threat this year in the Northeast Conference, and they've they picked up some good wins this year. Have you followed them? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tobin's done a really good job. Uh, he's brought good stability to the program. He's a good teacher. He'll recruit, you know, guys that'll stick around. Uh, you know, that's a conference that's winnable every every year to every team in the league. It's a very low-level playing field. So, uh, Harvard on a hack and sack, a lot of well. Go Knights. All right, Coach. All right, All right man. Talk to you soon. Be Thank good. you. All right, bye. All right, Seth Greenberg. Yes, Fairleigh Dickinson University, FDU alum, and proud of it. He knows his Jersey roots, and he follows New Jersey basketball. Rutgers is a team that is going to fight and fight. They will be in the thick of things, trust me, by the end of this season in the Big Ten. Are they better than last year without Ron Harper and Geo Baker? Well, that remains to be seen. Some people think so. They have time to prove it. And right now, they are trending in that direction. Seth Greenberg said this can be a second weekend team, a Sweet 16 team, and beyond. Do you doubt that? After what they just did, beating the number one undefeated team in the country, in their building, in Mackey Arena, one of the toughest buildings in the country to play in. Do you doubt? I'm not going to doubt them. Did they lose at home to Seton Hall? Sure. But you know what? They were one possession away from tying or taking that lead. So losses are going to happen. This team, as well as any team in the country, has proven it can put bad losses behind them. Let's see how well they can put a great win behind them because last year they stubbed their toe following big wins. Maryland's coming to town. Then it's Iowa. Let's see how Rutgers follows up against those teams over the next few days. Now, let's talk about Seton Hall and St. John's before we end this podcast, because those are two Jekyll and Hyde teams that we just can't figure out. St. John's has now lost four straight games. This is a team that was 10 and one feasting on non-conference cupcakes. I bought into this team. They start out, they wax DePaul at home and rightfully so. Now they're one and four in the Big East after losing to Marquette, 96 to 85. This is a game they were up by double digits in the first half. Everything was going their way. Posh Alexander did not start, came off the bench, actually hit two threes, had 10 points in the first half. They were cooking. They were shooting over 60%. Joel Soriano was well on his way to his 13th double-double of the season. They led 48-41 at halftime against a very good Marquette team. And then the second half whistle blew and the wheels came off. How? Because we saw once again, this team gives up major runs. They have been on the short end of run after run after run in this four-game losing streak. 
17 to 2 run, a 16 to nothing run, a 22 to 8 run, a 16 to 2 run. Why does this team continue to go through droughts that just make you pull your hair and make you get frustrated? Joel Soriano is putting up a year for the ages. He is playing like a first-team All-Big East player, and he's getting no help. St. John's continues to shoot themselves in the foot. If they're not turning you over, they're letting other teams go on big runs. They don't have a quality win to speak of. And as good as they were in the first half, they were awful in the second half. How do you let a team score 96 points on you in your building? Let them shoot 53% for the game. Get 25 points in transition. Marquette beat St. John's at their own game. Hitting one three after another three. I tweeted this out. They were running circles around St. John's. It looked like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals. They were shooting threes. They were getting easy layups. Where was the defense? Mike Anderson said after the game, right now, we have not become the defensive team that I want us to be. Well, coach, when is it going to happen? Because the schedule only gets tougher and tougher. And this team is looking more and more not like an NCAA tournament team, not like a, an NIT team. They're looking more and more like a bottom four team in the Big East with no way out of it. It's go time for this team. It's now or never for them to get themselves out of this rut. How do you do it? They're going to have to do it with defense, hard work, belief, trust, more defense, turning them over. You heard Seth Greenberg. You have to establish an identity, a corporate DNA. There's no identity with this team other than a losing identity. They have to stop the bleeding. It has to happen. It has to happen in the next game against Providence. That is not going to be easy. But if not, this team is staring at one and five. And then where do they go from here? Finger pointing. Andre Curbelo was suspended in this game. Mike Anderson did not give a reason. Things are happening behind the scenes, away from the court. The leaders on this team need to get together, pull everybody together, and ask who's in. If you're in, let's go. If you're not, get out. They have reached a turning point in the season. It's go time or leave yourself in the basement time. That's where St. John's is right now. And that brings us to Seton Hall. Because as well as the Pirates played against St. John's, beating them by 22 points, feeling good, the players saying afterward, we got to get more. We got to get more. I thought this team would fight against Creighton. I didn't think they'd win that game with Creighton at full strength, but I thought they'd keep it close, keep it within 10, have a chance 
I mean, things look good in the first five minutes. Al Dawes hitting a three, Kaderi Richmond getting to the hoop, Seton Hall's up 7-4, and then the wheels just absolutely came off. Kaderi Richmond picks up his second foul. He goes to the bench. In comes Trey Jackson. Ryan Kalkbrenner looks like a first-team All-American, not like the player that was injured and sick and suffering through a six-game stretch that Creighton was losing game after game. A preseason top 10, top five team was not playing like a Final Four team that most people thought, well, now they're healthy and you saw what Creighton can do. Their starting five when healthy is as good as any team in the country. I mean, Seton Hall has won games at Creighton. They've won there. You wouldn't have known it last night because they got body slammed. Ryan Kalkbrenner was swatting shots like he was Bill Russell. Six blocks in the game. You saw what happened to Seton Hall when a player like Kaderi Richmond comes out of the game. They need Kaderi Richmond on the floor for 34, 35 minutes every game. He can't afford to get into foul trouble. And neither can Tyrese Samuel. I know Shaheen Holloway was trying to mix and match. He was trying to get Trey Jackson in there to see what he could do. I know he had 11 points. I've said it before, Trey Jackson could be the best three-point shooter on this team when going right. But until Trey Jackson learns how to play defense, he wasn't the entire reason why Creighton went on that 17-2 run, okay? But he was part of the problem there because when he was in the game, he looked lost, players got open, it was one three after another. I mean, Seton Hall played this game like they did at Marquette. Four times this year, Seton Hall has allowed teams to shoot over 50%. And all four times, they lost by double digits, and the games were not competitive for the majority of the contest. Oklahoma, Kansas, Marquette, and now Creighton. So 50% isn't necessarily the barometer where if Seton Hall holds teams to under 50%, they win. Because we saw a team like Providence shoot under 50% and win. But if they play defense like this and allow teams to shoot 50% and allow teams to shoot 11 three-pointers, then there's no chance for this team to win. These losses happen in conference play. Texas got absolutely run out of the building by Kansas State. All right, look around the country. Purdue earlier this year beating not only Duke, but Gonzaga by double digits. All right, these blowouts happen. They're just happening a little more frequently with Seton Hall, and they can't afford them anymore. The good news for Seton Hall is that they have played four of the top five teams in conference play. Okay, they've already played them once. Providence, Marquette, Xavier, and now Creighton. 
without question, those are four of the top five teams in the Big East. The only team that they haven't played yet is UConn, and they're coming up. The schedule gets soft. Now is your time, 10 days from now. They will be eight games into the season. The next three games, home to Butler, at Georgetown, at DePaul. Seton Hall will have played eight conference games. They're one and four. Those are three winnable games. I said this during the last podcast. Get to four and four after those eight conference games with UConn coming in. That's the goal. They need to take them one game at a time. But looking at the big picture, that's when I will start to judge Seton Hall. Where do they stand after those games? Those are three bottom teams in the Big East. Seton Hall needs to take advantage of it. They need to defend. They need to come out with purpose. They need to come out with urgency and be consistent. All the things that Shaheen Holloway preaches. That's what they have to do. Seton Hall has been a Jekyll and Hyde team. St. John's has been a Jekyll and Hyde team. It's time for Dr. Jekyll to show up in both programs. That'll do it for this edition and this episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My thanks to Seth Greenberg. Rutgers, where do they go from here? Seton Hall and St. John's, where do they go from here? The games will dictate that over the next week. Thank you, everybody. Continue to spread the word about the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a review. I do appreciate you downloading and listening to each and every episode. My name is Brian Dinovellis. Enjoy the games. So long.